We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. back but this time not at newport beach we're talking about newport union uh a public school the focus of most of this week's episode let's just get this out of the way joe Mm -hmm. marissa goes to a new school first of all she shows up dressed like a billion dollar princess and then isn't sure why people are treating her like trash like right out the gate Mm -hmm. and this is where we meet casey yeah casey Seems nice. This is a direct line I wrote. Casey seems nice. Can't wait to see how they make her just completely awful for no apparent reason. We also see Marissa basically meet Bizarro, Seth, Ryan, and Marissa uh, with this gang of three friends Mm -hmm. who are literally designed to be exactly (laughs) like like her friends back at Newport Beach. Uh, And... I kind of would harbor rather school, watch the Harbor School. The Harbor School. I would so much rather watch their show and their lives. They seem like fairly drama-free, regular-ass teens going about their day. I mm-hmm. want a Newport Union TV show, Joe. But listen, I'm going to ask you for the tiniest of spoilers. Okay. Is my prediction that they're just suddenly going to dean these characters as well for no fucking reason correct? No. Okay, good. Good. So I can just continue to be happy for the little bit of existence that they have. For the little <laughs> bit of existence. They're not going to get deemed, but they are going to get jest. Okay. They will be embroiled, let's just okay. say. 
I'm and I'm sure, and I'm sure, honestly, hate to say it, it's going to be Ryan's fault. Ryan, Ryan is fucking up this situation <laughs> left and right in this episode. Can I give you a really big spoiler, or do you sure. want to, like sure? Let's do it. Uh, and perhaps one of them, the one you least expect, may die. Ooh, well, so long, Chili. Yeah, <laughs> or Marissa. <laughs> right. This is how they kill Marissa this early. I thought she'd make it to the yeah. end of the season. Uh, Chili skateboards into her and <laughs> pushes her off a cliff. Yeah, she just explodes somehow. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, God. So I don't know about the inner workings of school. I feel like it's really interesting when you watch a high school show when you're like. 20 years removed from high school Mm -hmm. but in my brain i'm like there is no way that a dean would be given this much free reign to punish people however he saw fit without there being some type of like checks and balances here (laughs) like he's just like you're gonna be polishing the toilets and i could possibly expel you if you don't give up the like this is like 1980s sex comedy level crazy dean punishment antics but also like it makes sense that he like he has a lot of he's just getting kind of corrupt he's corrupted by this power in the same way that like because i remember and i don't know if if you've because you've worked with kids before but like yeah i remember being like a younger quote-unquote professional that was like in charge of students who were maybe like just a couple years removed from my actual age. Yeah. And so like there's a responsibility that you have to like prove your your power almost. Well, no, like to not go overboard, right? Cuz yeah. like you you kind of you need to be above that like that power trip and he is obviously not and I've seen it with folks who were in those positions where it's like you kind of have to like not you kind of have to let it go. You can't yeah. just because if you don't let it go or you think you're taking it personally, because at the end of the day, you are not on the same the, the power dynamics. And this is some real world shit in this <laughs> podcast about the OC. The power dynamic and the power relationship will always exist, especially to the student. So they're not aware. They, they think that they think that uh, they're rebelling against you because you're the man. Whereas yeah. you don't think you're the man. You think you are just one of them and you don't understand why they're like, you just have authority over them. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. Cause like, it's kind of like that Simpsons episode where Homer goes back to college and he keeps rallying against the Dean, even though the Dean is like younger than Homer, <laughs> but he's just like trained to hate him. <laughs> yeah, because, it, like... it, exactly. But like, I mean, Dean, the Dean Hess has also given us like it it's so blatantly obvious that he is biased, right? And I think that that's what's just the most egregious about it is that there are so much better ways you can hide it and even oh. in other shows, but it's it's, it's, it's all it's frustrating. Sloppy. It's very sloppy because I mean, look, we'll call it out here. I guessed it last week. I was absolutely correct. We find out that the Dean and Taylor are in a relationship. Um, Taylor plays some fucked up mind games with Summer to get Summer to confess to taking the hut by feigning being a friend just to get Summer kicked off of the planning committee and for her to be reinstated as the president. And what like doesn't make sense to me as a human being here is like this dude 
is showing up. It's been, what, a week? Tops? Maybe mm-hmm. two weeks? <laughs> Tops? This dude shows up, throws around his power, tries mm-hmm. to do all these things to prove that he is, like, the person that he's supposed to be, which is, like, the dean of discipline, the person who, like, doesn't take no shit from anybody. And in less than two weeks, he's already in an inappropriate relationship that will get him fired and being very fucking sloppy with showing, like, not covering his track. Like, yeah, come on, show. Like, come the fuck on. <laughs> Matt, like, they show the scene where Summer catches them like shows her looking around the corner and then there's like those like those like swinging doors in the hallway and you can see like taylor make out with someone pull away and then leave and then the dean comes around the corner and goes into his office why wouldn't you just fucking go into your office if you're going to have a clandestine make out with your like you're gonna have a statutory make out yeah like it's talking about also it's it's so sloppy (laughs) It's so sloppily handled. And again, as I predicted on episode two, so fucking rushed. I am confident that next week, Dean is out of the picture. That next week's episode is all about how do we expose Taylor in Dean's situation. That's how that episode ends. And I'm sure episode six is the return of Marissa and Ryan to Newport. Like, mm-hmm. like it's just, it. it's very frustrating when you can see all of the chess moves. <laughs> on the board and just be like, well, all right. And, and like the OC I think is particularly bad at it because the OC is like, at this point it's infamous. Even people who don't listen to our podcast, who I talked to about the OC mentioned how the OC would shove like 20 season subplots into one season and just like speed run through them. So like, it's just like any situation that comes up, I'm like, well, this will be resolved in three to four episodes because nothing lasts longer than three to four episodes yeah. in this damn show. And you also have to figure that like I'm I'm getting upset because like I'm watching the beginning of the series, the beginning of this uh, season, and there are people who are who feature so prominently at the end of it and at the beginning of season four. That are not even like it's going to be episodes before we even get those people introduced. Yeah. Well, and I'm guessing when we first had Matt DeStefano on the show Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how he likes season four more than season three, I think you and everybody kind of like scoffed at that. But I feel like the more that we've been diving into season three, I think you're you're also starting to agree with Matt that like. Season four is almost, from what I understand from him explaining, it's just a breath of fresh air after how frustrating this season is. Is season four is season four my favorite scene? My favorite season? No, but it is definitely like it is definitely better than season three for sure. Like if if I had to say my favorite seasons, it would be like two, one, four, three, three. That makes sense. I mean, that's definitely, I haven't seen four yet, but it's definitely um, two, one, three right now for my rankings. And three is, it is a wide gap. Like, like one and two, I'm already far enough removed from some moments in seasons one and two where I'm like, 
almost wistfully missing episodes. And I'm like, oh, I kind of want to like rewatch like Rainy Day Women or like, <laughs> like some of these like kind of more lighthearted, fun episodes mm-hmm. where like season three, I'm just like, a case in point is usually for the first, almost the first two full seasons of this show, I would not text a word to you while watching the episodes. I would like keep my cards to my chest. I wouldn't say anything until we hopped into the recording. I can't not complain as I'm watching season three so far because everything is making me so frustrated. And like the Dean stuff is there. We've got the Marissa stuff there. Then we finally get a conclusion to this Charlotte stuff of figuring out like what she's there for. Mm -hmm. And like, first of all, my favorite thing about Charlotte my favorite thing is that every single time she enters the scene, she has to give this weird devilish smirk to the audience so that we're aware she's a bad guy. <laughs> like there's no other reason why she's always giving this like devilish smirk as she enters the scene. But for we, the audience to be like, that's right. She's a bad guy. Got to yeah. remember that. She's got something up her sleeve. <laughs> It is such a dumb, drawn out, long con plan. And like, I love her boyfriend is like yelling at her in the hotel room. Just like, what were you doing? Like, what is this? We send you to rehab and you pick the worst person to try to con money out of. And like her con is like, I think we should open up a halfway house in like a completely different state, which like, guess what? Newsflash. There's plenty of them. No. <laughs> like, no. this, like, it's a bad investment. It's a bad investment. Yeah. There's so many halfway houses. Something that I said last week, but I'll repeat it here. It says, this makes Kirsten look like such a weak-willed human being. She has known this lady less than two months, and she is letting her get inside her head with every single passive-aggressive comment that she makes. And it's like infuriating to watch because that is again, similarly to what I was talking about last week with like the idea that Caleb has no money feeling like a completely fabricated, like that's not the Caleb you taught me to enjoy watching. Like Mm -hmm. Kirsten has been a strong fucking person for most of this show and has been able to sniff out bullshit for most of this show. But this random woman is like her her fucking Achilles heel. Like, I don't understand it. I think, oh God, I can't believe I've become the apologist for this show. Like, <laughs> I, I can. I, but, <laughs> but like, Matt, you got to put it, you got to put things into, when you really think critically about it, like, I can, I can get there, but I think it's only because I want to get there because Kirsten's one of my favorite characters. And so... Yeah, I like Kirsten a lot. And this, ep- this season... Like, is not know, making her someone I like. <laughs> you know people who like have been to rehab, have run rehabs, like you know, you like that's a really intense process. So yes. like it's an intense process where like you're learning and unlearning things about yourself and similar into the way similar to the way that like the point of basic training right in the military is to like break you down so they can rebuild you yeah it's like it's this situation too and so when you introduce like this a con artist usurper into that situation it's like they're it's like psychological warfare of the highest order because you are trying to not only suss out the wealth of the different people but like you are trying to you're you're getting them when they 
when all the defenses are down. Like there yeah. are defenses are already down. They're already um they're already at rock bottom. That's why they're at, you know, you don't go to rehab for a casual thing. You go to rehab when you're like rock bottom, at least this yeah. particular one, right? And so it kind of makes sense to me that like, yeah, this does seem a little bit like it, it's it's a very risky con. And to your point, I'm like, there's just so many other ways that they could have made money. Yeah. Because they had to spend money to send her to that expensive ass rehab. Yeah. And like- so it's like, what, you easily thought that you were going to make uh, make your money back plus maybe like and, and double it right like yeah. that plus another another on top of it so i don't know i'm not i'm not saying this is like i'm advocating for people like giving people a handbook on how to like go and you know prey on uh wealthy addicts but i would also expect personally i would also expect a place like this to have a very like intense security vetting process you would think right but you know again it, maybe part of that 30 grand was paying off somebody to get them there. Yeah. Well, and it's unfortunate because I feel like this definitely has implied that she's not gone just yet. So I'm sure that there's, whereas I can see the exit of Dean Hess in the, in the very near future. I'm like, man, am I going to be stuck with Charlotte for like a couple? I always, I always look at it as like how many more recording sessions do we have before that character is gone? And I, I think Dean will be gone by the end of next recording session. I don't think Charlotte will. I think I've got at least two, maybe even three more recording sessions before they Wait, finally get Wait, hold on. So your, pre- your prediction is that Dean Hess is gone before Charlotte? Yes. Okay. Just because they've already given us the clear exit. You know what I mean? Like, like Summer and I don't think Summer is going to sit on that information for very long. She's going to plot out how to catch them. That is my... That is my guess because that's how the OC works. It's as soon as they show you what the exit is mm-hmm. by the next episode, they take the exit. They do not prolong those things. We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The it- Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the That's ad. The ad. That's, the ad. <laughs> That's the ad. That's the ad. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, 
Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil in horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. Hi-o! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. All right, so let's talk about some music, because there was a shocking amount of... Well, not a shocking amount. When you got two dances, there's going to be some tunes. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Bob Mold Circles plays as Marissa enters the first day of school. MIA Fire Fire plays when she's at that school dance, which, side note, one thing I forgot to mention, um, she asks the kids at Newport Union what the theme of the school dance is, and they said the theme is gym, the school gym and yeah. a bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a normal poor person's school. Um, Bosco Ain't No Game plays when uh, Summer enters into the dance um infusion song natural plays when summer catches dean and taylor together uh roy scopes triumphant plays when seth and summer catch up after seth has somehow run to the other school dance stopped ryan from embarrassing marissa and then ran back to his school in the length of a song or so um and then the very last song to play is youth groups forever young a cover of the Alphaville song. Uh, and it's when uh, Marissa and uh, Ryan discover, hey, whatever we, whatever song comes on the radio, that's going to be our song. Um, I'll say right here, I fucking love the song Forever Young. I don't mm-hmm. love this youth group cover of it, but since all of the other songs were forgettable as fuck to yeah. me, uh, it's going to have to be this Forever Young. We're two for two right now, then, because yeah. like it was. I, I I was also glad that it wasn't like that um, that remix that came out like. <laughs> Oh, the Jay Z one. The Jay Z yeah, one. Yeah, we're living life like a video. Yeah. <laughs> this would have been. This would have been close to that time. I feel like that was like 2007 when that that Mr. Houston and Jay-Z from the Blueprint 3 came out. Um, I might be wrong on that, but that's... Uh, oh my that, God, that's right. That's what he was called. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Mr. Hudson or Mr. Mr. Hudson, yeah. Mr. Hudson. Um, all right, well, pop culture stuff. Uh, you know, I'm always really far behind because I am watching and reading stuff 24-7, it seems. So my pop culture thing that I want to give a quick shout out to, probably everybody's watched it. It was it was all over the internet when this dropped. The the Hulu original, No One Will Save You, mm. um, an almost entirely silent alien invasion movie. Um, it's not a movie I'm going to watch a lot, but I was very impressed with how well done a movie with almost no dialogue felt like it flowed. It moved. I wasn't lost by plot beats. It was a, it was a triumphant example of show, not tell Mm -hmm. uh, in the most truest of ways. So if for some reason you haven't watched it and also it's not that horror of a horror movie. So if you're someone who doesn't like horror, you might actually still really enjoy. No one will save you. It's, it's more science fiction. 
Uh, but it's like the horror elements of it are very, very good. Yes. It was one of the few movies that I watched during uh, the Halloween season. So I, because I remember someone commenting about it. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I better watch this. And then I uh, picked it up because I, I, I love a gimmick, right? I love a, it's entirely quiet. Yeah. All right, Joe, how about you? What's your pop culture thing? Now? Uh, for me, it's a musical group. Um, okay. So one of my favorite, like, bands of the last like six seven years is um this band called scary pockets and oh i love scary pockets i yes they're they're so good they they basically do uh covers uh like funky um kind of yacht rocky but like very soulful covers of pop music and one of the founders is like a guy. One of the guys in Scary Pockets is like the guy who founded Patreon, <laughs> which I think is. Oh, really I didn't. Cool. I didn't know that. Um, did you see? I'm sure this might be. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes. That they announced that they're probably not going to be doing any more covers and just yeah, they're making originals? original music, which yeah. is which is really interesting. But also, like one of the things I love about them is that like I love. I'm a personally, I love a cover song. That's why one of the reasons why I chose the song I did in the last episode, because I love anything that puts a good, a unique spin on, um, uh, on a on a on a song that makes you think about it in a different way. And a lot of the Scary Pockets covers are just like put a put a completely different spin on songs that have a very specific point of view. Scary Pockets is not my pick for this. <laughs> I, I say okay. all of that because I recently discovered a band that um, I believe is based out of New York and they give a very like scary pockets vibe, but they do like covers and inter and different interpretations of musical theater songs. Oh, uh, so the band is called third reprise and they uh most of their videos are on instagram and youtube and i believe they're starting to stream some of their work now on spotify and apple music but they have a really great cover of what i did for love from chorus line nice. um i dreamed a dream from les miserables as like this like new ultra funky like um kind of neo soul almost like cover um they do like a yacht rock version of popular from wicked. Like it's very, and they, and they get like musical theater actors to do the covers, but it's very okay. scary pockets. It's like, it's a, it's a spiritual successor. So it as like, it's very much as one Supreme dies, right. As one Supreme is going away from their like dominance over funky pop covers, a new one rises with, uh, with this. So, I highly recommend that folks check out Third Reprise. Okay, sounds good. Uh, and I definitely will because that sounds right up my alley. Well, Joe, let's see if my predictions are right. Let's see if the next time we sit down and talk about Episodes 5 and Episode 6, if I never have to say or think the word Dean Hest again from that point on. There's only one way to find out, and that's to tune in next week on White People Problems.
We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> So, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad! That's the ad. That's the ad. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.